podcast has bad words. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Indeed we are. Welcome to episode 130. Today we're going to talk about food. And if we're talking about food, I figure we bring a friend back on to the show. We don't do interviews, and we rarely do guests, but occasionally we'll bring a friend on to, to help us answer some questions. And today we're here with uh, Rich Roll. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Roll. So good to be with you guys, man. Good Thanks to have for you having back, me. Man. Yeah, yeah, it's dude. awesome. The last time I did this was at the live show at the at the Fillmore in dude, San Francisco. That was <laughs> by far, I think, my favorite show because because you were there, obviously, of course. <laughs> and uh, that stage, man, like I just cannot believe how many stinking artists and bands have like been on that stage it was it was truly an honor to be on there man like that's by far my favorite venue yeah Yeah, it was awesome well let's uh, so for those of you who want to listen to that previous conversation we we did in san francisco and thanks for flying out for that it was you you came up like straight up from miami i think was that right i think so but i just you know the the opportunity presented itself and i was like yeah i'll do that like the fillmore of course (laughs) (laughs) my brothers it's so iconic man it was yeah and then uh, a few months ago well actually we can go back to the beginning but but a few months ago um, we filmed our second documentary, at least the talk for that second documentary, and you were kind enough to to come out. We we rented this warehouse space in beautiful Los Angeles. It was like this this uh, gritty. It was the appropriate aesthetic for what we were trying to accomplish because we we filmed our talk a few times throughout the year in like at like the Wil uh, the Wilbur in Boston. It just looked like a stand up special. It didn't look like how we wanted it to to look. It's like a comedy stand up special with no comedy. Yeah. Just, <laughs> <laughs> can we can we get some jokes in here? <laughs> right. So Matt, can you edit some jokes in there? So we had uh, Rich come out and uh, do the intro for that, and now we've got him here in the studio for the first time. Let's go back to the beginning, though. Before You and I met because uh, I did your podcast. You were mm-hmm. kind enough to invite us on. I was in Los Angeles. Ryan wasn't. So I was in this tiny little Airbnb in, in West Hollywood, and you came out with your whole setup. You look like an assassin because he was dressed in all black, and he had this, like, this Pelican suitcase with him, and <laughs> all of a sudden he just unfolded it and had a studio right there there what was great about that though was that the airbnb that you had was perfectly minimalist there was almost no furniture in it and i was like how did you did you vet this to meet your minimalist criteria (laughs) yeah we had the whole team look into it first there's a minimalist uh, filter button on airbnb (laughs) (laughs) hey don't give away that idea we should sell that to them sean edit that out and we will we will pitch that to airbnb later the minimalist filter um no, but uh, let's let's go back to the beginning because because before Rich Roll became the Rich Roll, he was just Rich Roll, and uh, you you were <laughs> with you, that inflection. Now people what are does like, that mean? now people are like, how's Rich Roll doing? Before yeah. they were like, how's Rich Roll? <laughs> <laughs> so so you um, well, let's let, let's take it back a decade or so. Uh, let's take it back a dozen years. You were approaching age 40, mm-hmm. living the life that you... Wait, wait, you, 12 years ago you were approaching age 40? 
Just about, man. I'm God, 51 now. I hope I look like you when I'm 40. So. I hope I look like you when I'm 30. Get on the, get on the bandwagon, you guys. <laughs> oh I don't know, you guys would look good to me, so I think you're doing it right. <laughs> oh. So, so uh, let's go back a, a dozen years. Where, where were you and what were you feeling? Yeah, so a dozen years ago, I was a corporate attorney and kind of living this lifestyle uh, premised upon uh, the idea of chasing the American dream. You know, my whole life had been about that. It had been about studying hard, getting the best grades, getting into the best colleges, got it, you know, get into a great law school, get the best job you can. By the you know, way, the best climb colleges the were Stanford ladder. And, and Cornell, right? That That is true. Okay. Yes, I went to Stanford. Yeah. I, swam, I was on the swim team at Stanford in the late 1980s, uh, competed on two NC2A Division One championship teams as a bench warmer, I would add. Um, somehow got into Cornell Law School. Uh, I was sort of struggling with alcoholism during that period of time, so I don't know how I graduated from law school but somehow they let me through uh you know got a job and and got sober at 31 and then really threw myself into my career you know i i, I was somebody who had a lot of promise as a young person squandered a lot of opportunities because of drugs and alcohol and then spent a good decade trying to repair all the wreckage that i'd created as a result of my drinking and using career um and and very intent upon like uh you know getting back to where i was and so as a result, I became a workaholic, uh, you know, just 80 hour weeks in the law firm, the whole bit. Um, and it kind of really moved away from the things that I loved as a kid, which was swimming, moving my body, being physically active and healthy. Uh, so by the time I was 39, I was successful in my pursuit of this American dream. I had a really nice sports car. I was on the partnership track at a prestigious law firm here in Los Angeles, had met my wife, we were building a family. And so from the outside looking in, it looked like I had it made. You know, I had all the stuff, right? Um, and implicit in this kind of promise of the American dream baked into that is this idea that ultimately this is going to make you happy, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't happy. I, I love my wife, uh, you know, very happy in my family situation, but really tremendously unfulfilled professionally. Um, and for the very first time started like questioning, like, why am I doing all of this stuff? I'd never really taken a moment to reflect upon that. I was just on this habit trail, you know, for many, many years. And so I sort of had this existential crisis that was percolating up inside of me. And that really butted up against a health scare uh, that occurred shortly before my 40th birthday. For that decade and many years prior to that, I really wasn't taking care of myself. You know, I had the career as an alcoholic and then I just segued into becoming basically a junk food addict. I had taken a lot of those addictive tendencies and transferred them onto food. I was medicating my emotional state with food and with work. Uh, and so I'd blown up, you know, I gained 50 pounds. I was lethargic. I was depressed about my life, just really unenthusiastic about this situation that I worked so hard to create. And so what happened was it all kind of came to a head coming, walking up a simple flight of stairs late one evening when I had uh, tightness in my chest, I had to take a break up a simple flight of stairs. I was winded out of breath, like buckled over mm. and really terrified, you know, yeah. heart disease runs in my family. And it was this very crystallized moment in time in which I finally realized it dawned upon me, like, I just can't keep living this way. Yeah. Um, and that was really the beginning of re-examining my lifestyle habits and, and um, uh, reforming my relationship with food and, and reprioritizing how I was spending my time, quite frankly. And, and it took many, many years to get to a point where I get to sit here and talk to you guys, um, but that was really the beginning of the whole thing. 
Sound, yeah. Sounds familiar a little bit. Yeah, so, so <laughs> Ryan's been, been dealing with some stuff recently, too. Um, we, we've, we've talked about oh, yeah. on past podcasts. You want to, but we can at least uh, summarize it for, for Rich. And, yeah, yeah, just summarize it for Rich because I think our audience has probably heard it a couple times already. Um, so recently I was, uh, well, well, let me just backtrack a second. I was saying it sounds familiar because it's the living for the American dream and and realizing you have nothing yes that you're, you're at the right table here with the right people <laughs> who who have that in common with uh but what josh is talking about specifically is my um my blood work i got back at like the beginning of february so my cousin passed away 27 years old from cirrhosis mm. he was he was a heavy drinker um he had blood work done in 2014 he was great no problems and then four years later dies of cirrhosis if he would have horrible way to die too if he would have had a blood test probably would have saved his life so after seeing this i'm like man like i don't i know i live a healthier lifestyle than what he did but still wanted you know just kind of uh gave me that extra motivation to get my blood checked and when i got it checked my hemoglobin a1c which is a uh, uh, basically tells you your average sugar in your blood for the last 90 days it was at like 7.1, which is, I mean, it's pretty much diabetic, mm-hmm. type 2 diabetes. So um, my, my doctor called me. He's like, dude, you got to tell me about what you eat. Uh, and, I, and I was explaining to him my diet. And he's like, no, 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 man. Like, how many donuts do you eat a day? And I'm like, dude, I haven't had any donuts <laughs> at all, like, uh, in the last six months. And uh, long story short, it just turns out that I am genetically predispositioned to, to having type 2 diabetes my dad has it my, my grandfather has it so i've been uh doing a lot of uh diet modifications over the last i guess it's going on three months now maybe four months and um i'm just i just got blood work back two days ago i am at 5.7 That's which great. which is like right like if i get to 5.69 i will be considered non uh n- no risk for diabetes right now i'm like a really low risk but long story short yeah diet has totally uh, affected my my hemoglobin level, but what I didn't realize is going through this change in my diet, how much I was covering up with with sugar, with alcohol. It's not like I'm drinking a bottle of Jameson every night, but certainly you know having two or three drinks, four or five drinks on you know semi regular basis, mm-hmm. um, not all at once, but throughout the day. But but my point is is that looking at my lifestyle, I thought yeah I eat pretty healthy. And, uh, you know, I'm not like the, I'm not the, the heaviest drinker. I'm not the lightest drinker, but you know, I felt like I had these things kind of in check and cutting them out of my life. I realized how, again, like how those things were covering up a lot of symptoms I was feeling. Um, like the biggest thing I noticed is how hangry I get. Like I had no idea that I was, I always made fun of other people for getting hangry. You know, it was a funny thing, but then like when it happens to me, I'm like, Oh shit, like this is a real thing. Yeah. It's an interesting thing when you when you start to examine the relationship between food and your emotional state. I remember when I got sober and I would be in the rooms of recovery and people would talk about medicating their emotional state with food. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I had no idea what that meant. And I was completely unaware of the extent to which I was doing it. And it's not until so wait, you, you were, become... You, you were saying like... I don't know what you're talking about, but that you were doing it without knowing. You were unconscious of your own actions doing it. Yeah, right? even while I was trying to really objectively 
examine my behavior patterns and how they related to how I was feeling, right? So it's not until you start to strip those things away. And, and you know, if you journal it, it becomes very clear. Like most people will say, I eat pretty good, you know, but if you actually write down what you eat, yeah. you know, all throughout the day, you're like, <laughs> maybe that's not as uh, moderate as I thought. You know, like, you know the, the denial starts to peel away. Yeah. And you know what's fascinating about that is just the simple act of journaling. I, I get the, the app, uh, My Fitness Pal. Mm-hmm. Um, which had a huge data breach recently. So I think now everyone knows what I eat. Um, but uh, uh, and just the simple act of, of cataloging, it makes you like question before you put something in your mouth. It's it's right. the interesting thing of, of being willing to write this stuff down or type it into an app. You're like, or sometimes it's like, man, I'm going to eat that, but I really don't feel like, feel like typing it into the app. So I'm just not going to eat it. Uh, it changed my relationship because once you become conscious of the thing, you, you start to adjust. it. I, I think about what Ryan was saying there. He had a good diet. It's not like he was eating donuts every day and ice cream every day but but good is often the enemy of great and with, with your lifestyle you, you you sort of talked about how you devolved from or evolved or, or or moved parallel over from alcoholism to a relationship with with uh food addiction or, or junk food ad- addiction and uh you had a, a overall was supposed to be a good life but that kept it from being a great life in in some mm-hmm. respects yeah, I think, uh, you know, at the risk of sounding a little too esoteric, food is a portal to the soul. And I truly believe that the vibration of what you put in your body has a tremendous impact on how you see the world, how you interact with people throughout the day, how you interact with your loved ones, how you perform professionally, your energy levels, mm-hmm. and, and beyond that. And when you change that vibration, when you raise that vibration, it, change, it changes completely how you move through the world and i mean that's been my experience and the experience of so many people that i've worked with over the years yeah i I can't even believe the the level of confidence that has risen in me since changing my diet and it's not because i actually don't know why it is i think it's just because i feel healthier and it's like i i I, it's not like i walk around like oh man i've lost 20 pounds i'm badass it's like i really truly feel Maybe my head's a little clear so I can understand things a little better, I guess. And maybe that is what gives me a little bit more confidence. Well, I think, I think self-esteem begins with performing esteemable acts. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, when you're performing esteemable acts on behalf of yourself, that's going to breed that confidence, yeah, right? And I think, I think that, you know, look, minim- minimalism and mindfulness are close allies, right? Mm-hmm. And I think just the, the process of becoming more mindful about the foods that you're putting into your body um, breeds that, like, greater self-awareness, with, which also then buttresses that confidence. Yeah, yeah, I could totally see that. So, w- Rich, you, you went from what was ostensibly a good life, but to you was a mediocre, actually fairly shitty life because you weren't fulfilled, you weren't happy, you didn't feel contented by by the life you're in. And and you you swung the, the 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 pendulum swung to the other side where I mean I think the so so you just uh what was it, seven years ago you put out your book, Finding Ultra? Yeah, uh, 2012. Okay, yeah. okay, so five, six years ago. And then we just had we just saw the, the reemergence of that book. You re- rewrote the whole thing mm-hmm. and uh, put it out again. What, what, and there's a reason I'm asking this question, but what, what motivated you to like go back and revisit that work? Because it is your life's work in a way. 
Well, first of all, have you ever gone back and read read something you wrote eight years ago? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so I, there's I, that. I neurose over commas. Yeah. And uh, it's it's weird. So I, I published a novel from, from my mid-20s, and some of the writing in there is some of the most beautiful writing I've ever created. And I, I it, it, it was from a, a time and place where I'm like, I don't know how I wrote that. Like somehow I just, it manifested it through my brain into my fingers. I, I don't remember doing it even. Um, but yes, I try to avoid going back and reading stuff that I wrote even two weeks ago because i'll just like why did i use a semicolon instead of a colon there yeah. yeah yeah so there was that but also what i wanted to do is really bring the story up to date because so much had transpired in the year since that book came out i mean first of all that book came out nobody really knew who i was and it's been kind of a slow groundswell of people discovering it and it continues to it sells better every year than the year before which i'm super proud of that's but awesome. in the wake of that book com, com, uh, coming out, I faced some crazy challenges and had to overcome some, you know, really stiff obstacles to be able to get to do what I do today. And I, I thought that there was something instructive about that aspect of the story that went untold in the first version. So I wanted to tell that. Um, and beyond that, like there was just a lot of, you know, I wanted to go back and rewrite the parts that I didn't like. I added a whole 50 page new chapter that was, it's very it's sort of like a, um, a how-to primer on setting goals, achieving goals, how I look at life, things that I've learned, you know, over this past decade um, that I felt like the book was incomplete without. And then just, you know, buttressing up the, the appendices and the like. So it's about 100 pages longer now. And now it's finally the book that I always wanted it to be. I love that. And, and uh, <laughs> I feel like it's what we should do with minimalism live a meaningful life well we did do that in 2015 <laughs> um yeah so so our book, book minimalism live a meaningful life came out in 2011 in 2015 we we rewrote it we and, updated it yeah for sure and um uh sort of sort of found the principles in it were really great but it needed some some tweaking so we did something similar we didn't add an additional 100 pages to it um because of minimalism. I guess there would be a bit of an irony <laughs> if we added it. I feel like we could add an minimalism ex- Minimalism is a thousand pages long. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I look at, at Finding Ultra and, and to me, the I generally hate long subtitles, but yours is like, it's, it's a perfect description of what to expect and it makes you like sort of want to dive beneath the cover. So, so the subtitle is Rejecting Middle Age, Becoming One of the World's Fittest Men and, and uh, Discovering Myself. So, um, Rich really is one of the world's fittest men. You, you see, I mean, you see him on, on Instagram in the mornings and I'm like, he lazy bastard. All I'm doing is sitting here and writing for three hours, but he's, <laughs> he's already, uh, uh, sw- wait, we were arguing about this this morning, Sean, you owe me a coffee, by the way. Why did I buy your coffee this morning? Uh, the past participle of swim is what Ryan, uh, swam. That's the past tense. The past participle is swum. There we go. Really? Give me my coffee, Sean. Swum? I edited the editor. Sean, you've been edited. Um, anyway, yeah, you see Rich, he's like swimming and then he's running and like... Um, and, but this and, is just what I love to do. You yeah. know, while I'm out doing that, I'm thinking I should be writing. Uh, you it's, know? Fu- it's funny how that works. Dude, right? if we were on swim teams for as long as he was, we probably would have some we'd good habits. We, yeah, we'd be fish, exactly. Just like Rich. Um, <laughs> and, and no, it's just, uh, it, it's, uh, 
it's crazy motivating to see to see someone like like you who is just out there and really enjoying that because every morning I, I make sure I do at least two things one is write and, and the other is exercise some sort of movement for me I have a really bad back I've uh, a fused uh, L5 with my S1 and so I, I do physical therapy every morning or I do body weight exercises but it's like nothing compared to, to what you do but you're also not the, the thing I like about what you do is you're not prescribing a particular like well I think everyone needs to go out this morning and swim 50 laps followed by a seven mile run and um you are simply encouraging others to to i mean you said you added a how-to portion here but i even i suspect the how-to portion is is, uh based upon what your own recipe is and then uh, adjust for taste yeah one of the things that i learned very early in sobriety is there's nothing more powerful than sharing your experience so i never tell people what they should or they shouldn't do it's not for me to judge somebody's life experience or to prescribe uh you know, a lifestyle for them or to tell them how they should or should not eat. Uh, I just share my experience. So if I go out and run and train, like, hey, this is what I'm doing. Hey, this is what I ate. This is what I'm doing. And I, and I, I, I found that um, in doing that, it seems to be more powerful. It's sort of like you're a lighthouse and you will attract people to you that are, you know, interested in what you're doing rather than saying, saying shaming people or, yeah, or like saying you should do this and don't do that. Like, I mean, look, there's a place for that and there's people that are very good at delivering messages within that, in that spirit. That's just not who I am. But most people who try to deliver that kind of message that way are, are really bad at it. Um, I think of a person who's really good at it, our friend Julian Smith. Do uh, you, you know Julian? He wrote a book called The Flinch. Um, but uh, he, I, I, the way I always describe him is he is a guy who will pick you up, shake the hell out of you, and set you down, and you'll thank him afterward. Like, thanks. I really needed to be. I really needed to be shooken. Like, is it shooken? Shook? Sean, help me out here. The past uh, participle yeah. versus the past tense here again. This is now turning into a grammar <laughs> podcast. Yes. Well, <laughs> we could refile it there. Um, but. Um, it, but most uh, so uh, you're a vegan endurance athlete right i mean th- th- if we were to describe uh, one portion of of who you are right but you're not out the thing that i love about you is i never feel like i'm being proselytized to where you're like you have to do this or else or you're a bad person or whatever you're simply illuminating the benefits for you and that's far more encouraging and we've had uh, i can remember one event we had this group of five vegans who just waited afterward for us like at the very end of the, the hug line that we did at one of our, our tour stops and, you know we have a, a, a good chunk of our, our audience who are, are vegan and most of them are like you they're like really enjoy the benefits and and uh, they want to be able to share the fact that they're plant-based they're, you have other people who want to shame people into a particular lifestyle whether that's veganism or minimalism or you know, playing basketball or whatever your your you know jungle gym is that you like to play in and um, we had this group of, uh, of people come afterwards and I remember the the first lady's watching she said I'm really disappointed in you I'm like okay <laughs> you wouldn't be the first person <laughs> yeah, why are you disappointed in me <laughs> I'm like you wait you waited in that entire line to say you're disappointed yeah I'm just disappointed that you guys don't talk more about veganism <laughs> 
and i'm like we're not vegan yeah i'm like that'd be really weird we should also talk more about brain surgery (laughs) (laughs) right and um she proceeded to spend her and the group of people she was with proceeded to spend the next 15 minutes into trying to shame me into changing my lifestyle and if nothing else if i if i didn't already have my own uh informed opinions that would really turn me off from a plant-based lifestyle as opposed to like seeing someone like you where it's like oh that's that you're aspirational shaming people is is the opposite of of aspiration shaming is shameful yeah it doesn't really work i mean there's a lot of well-intentioned people out there that that you know are trying to put out a great message but the psychology of it often is backwards and you know that kind of messaging is going to motivate somebody to go out to the steakhouse after you know being you know uh scolded yeah so it doesn't it doesn't really work and i'm not about that at all yeah yeah and i think it's beautiful instead you you simply shine a light on what has worked really well for you in hopes that maybe some some of the ingredients of your personal recipe will will work well for other people and i think by and large what you're what you're uh talking about isn't preaching uh go without x y and z it's go with um plant-based diet and that's what works really well for you it's not like i'm i'm constantly forsaking all of these other things it's like here's what i get to bring into into my life yeah and i love the lifestyle and it it, it you know it, it restored my vitality and it, you know I, I could speak forever about the benefits of it um but i think that like all things uh everything is complicated right it's about like what works for who when you know and like i'm not here to say that what works for me is going to work for everybody and you know i think we need to think more broadly about our decisions and minimalism is all about that mindfulness like i said earlier like what is the impact of the decisions that we're making the consumer choices that we're making not just on our own personal lives but on the world as a whole, as a, as, a, as a greater macrocosm. I mean, you can be eating a vegan diet, um, but if you're buying your clothes at H&M, like all the, the sort of toxic runoff from whatever factory in Bangladesh is, is flowing into some river and killing bazillions of fish, like right. is that really consistent with the vegan messaging? So, mm. you know, we have to step back and, and gain greater perspective on the macro i think yeah and, and what does it mean to be intentional i uh, i actually recently brought meat back into my my life two years ago when i had some significant health scares and it was the most terrible like because i had doc- doctors several doctors recommended after doing a bunch of blood tests and and for me it was meat as medicine and i still eat a probably 90 percent plant-based diet and and i remember the first time i had to go back it was like trying it was literally like swallowing giant meat pills basically and i can tell you my health has improved significantly but that's that's one one component of it for me it was it was really about being more intentional with what i bring into my body nourishing the body because a meat-based lifestyle a plant-based lifestyle or or a vegan lifestyle isn't necessarily healthy either there are plenty of you know you can eat a box of oreos every day and say well i'm vegan why aren't i healthy Mm -hmm. well that that's not what it's really about right it's Mm -hmm. about being intentional with with what we put into our body and how we spend our time and and uh i think when we lose sight of that i think you're right that we what we end up with is some sort of 
dogma that isn't that isn't really helpful for anyone mm-hmm. we have some questions about food today should we dive into those we Let's got, do we got some audience was, questions I saw here on the twitter feed there were quite a few questions yeah. i was like well these are very specific i don't know, you know like, <laughs> we, we we picked a few of those but we got a few voicemails as well so let's dive into these these callers our first caller is let me take a look here hannah hannah what do you got to say hannah Hi, this is Hannah based out of Solo and I just had a question specifically for Josh. Uh, he said you were kind of a vegan paleo kind of diet, very strict plant-based diet, and you also travel a lot. So I'm wondering how do you travel on such a minimal diet and can still maintain a healthy lifestyle? Do you see what Josh does? Out of all those questions, he picks the questions that are geared towards him. Of course. <laughs> so that's what makes it easy for us, man. <laughs> no, I, so, so we we have traveled a lot, and I mean the, the only two words that I that I have as as a good answer for Hannah here is Whole Foods. Like when we travel, that's the one thing that I can consistently count on, or whatever the Whole Foods equivalent is. You know, we'll be in Grand Rapids, and they don't have a Whole Foods, but they have something similar. So you, you go you go somewhere that has, but but you you make it a priority, at least for me. But Richard, you travel a lot. What what do you do? Yeah, I mean, I've 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 traveled extensively, and I've been to all parts of the world. I've been throughout the Middle East, and I, you know, all kinds of crazy places. I've never had an issue making it work. Um, you know, there's a couple strategies that I employ that make it a little bit easier. I mean, first of all, when at all possible, I try to book hotel rooms with little kitchenettes so I can have some control over the food that I eat. And mm-hmm. that's not always possible, but when I can do that, I try to do that. Um, the second thing is, just like you said, find the whole foods wherever you're going. Like I'll, fi- I'll figure that out before I go. And sometimes I'll even go from the airport straight to the whole foods or that's the exactly natural food markets before checking into the hotel. So I mm-hmm. get all this food. So even if I don't have a kitchenette, I'll have stuff around me that's healthy. So I'm not in a situation where I'm starved but I think and then there's a uh, there's a couple apps like I use an app called happy cow which shows you where all the vegan or veg friendly restaurants are wherever you're traveling all over the world that's super helpful even if you're paleo I mean it's basically the healthy restaurants right so it's a great like little app you can get on your phone that's that's been you know crucial for me Um, you know a lot of people ask me like well how do you what do you do when you fly and you're in these airplanes and you're stuck in this tube you know like what are you eating like people tend to like panic about this kind of stuff it's like <laughs> look look i mean if i'm flying to new york that's five and a half six hours like okay so i'll bring some snacks like if i just bring a couple bananas and like some almonds and maybe some dates like i'm cool like you're not gonna starve you know right. most flights are like three hours two hours you're gonna be okay the body like you don't can go have to a like long yeah time without food <laughs> yeah so like don't get so freaked out about this kind of stuff and i've just learned to relax about it and and sometimes i don't do any of that prep i just show up somewhere and i've done it so many times that i just like oh there'll be something i'll figure it out you eventually figure it out yeah. it's funny man i was thinking about when so josh and i were vegan i was vegan for a year he was vegan for 11 months he won the bet obviously <laughs> he yeah. still owes me a dollar um i but couldn't put down the, the the yogurt the weird thing is i can't even eat dairy now so <laughs> i should have won the bet like like i i'm just really bad sensitivity to dairy yeah eating yogurt yeah but, but you know i feel and like there's like all kinds of coconut yogurt now and all kinds now of but exi- yeah but back in when was this, this uh 2000 yeah seven 2008 uh, okay. something right. like that yeah it was it was way before the minimalists um do you remember that coconut Hold on a yogurt? Second, though, how did what what inspired this bet? Like, why why have this bet? So yeah, Josh, we fat. <clears throat> yeah, we were fat, and uh, we were getting ready to go on a trip. We had one 
for being like, you know, the best salespeople. It was to Maui. And I was talking to Josh like, you know, a few months beforehand. I'm like, yeah, dude, I'm thinking about like, you know, going to try and lose a few pounds before I go to Maui. And he was like, yeah, I was thinking about going vegan. And I'm like, what's vegan? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it. You could never do it. <laughs> and that's just all you got to oh, tell. That's all you need to tell yeah. me to do something to like, really. I yep. do that all the time now. Like, Ryan, don't worry yeah, about but, cleaning my house. You could never do but it. But I can tell when he means it and when he doesn't mean it. <laughs> And uh, so I looked into it and I was like, oh, I'll call you back. So I looked into it and I'm like, dude, I can totally do this. So um, yeah, so thus started my, my vegan adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, I was thinking though, when, so when I was vegan, um, I could be anywhere really, it, even if there wasn't a Whole Foods, which in Ohio, there I can't think of one Whole Foods that we had back then and back in 2007. No. Um, I could get by on Subway, dude. Like just going and getting like lettuce and tomato and onion and the olive oil and vinegar. Like those aren't um, meals I would have every single, you know, every single meal, but in a pinch. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like what you're saying is, is I can make any, I mean, I could go to a 7-Eleven and make it work. Now with my dietary restrictions, it's not as restrict restrictive as being vegan, but it's still pretty strict. And, uh, you know, if we're on the roads, seriously, I can go to like a Seven Eleven and find some almonds. I can find, uh, you know, some, some decent fruit. I can find, uh, beef jerky. I know you don't eat beef jerky, but I can find some things that totally will get me by, uh, if I do have, or if I'm in an airport, I could find something that'll get me by for those long flights or something. It's not, it's not as, as impossible as people make it out to be. No, people tend to overcomplicate it and overthink it. We're just talking about real food i mean there's grocery stores wherever you're going to go go to the produce section and pick up some nuts and some fruit and things like that most u.s cities have chipotle so in a pinch like a bowl with rice and beans and guacamole and hot sauce like i'm good yeah (laughs) chipotle was my best friend back then and it still kind of is today yeah totally uh but yeah i totally agree yeah that's that's what we used to do man the the vegan Chipotle bowl. Yeah, and 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 so uh, I was on the phone yesterday with uh, some folks who are trying to open up a, a supermarket in our hometown, Dayton, Ohio. Um, so Dayton, Ohio is the second hungriest city in the country for families with kids. So that meaning access to health food the entire desert yeah it's uh it, i think it's the top five foods food deserts in the country mm-hmm. uh west side doesn't have a single grocery store uh, we were just back there uh earlier this month we were we were um filming for our next documentary and doing some backstory and like i drove past the last kroger that was there out on uh, on gettysburg and, is it still uh, on the there? West side. no it closed in 2009 <gasps> so there isn't a a a so they're trying to open a a food co-op there and part of it is about education as well because you can there's food in west dayton but but there isn't nutrition in west day you can go to a liquor store and buy a bag of chips and a twinkie and a candy bar and get some empty calories but you're not fueling your body you're certainly not going to feel optimized you do that enough um you know the community there the the it's 16 percent type 2 diabetes yeah what is it american average is like eight percent or something so it's twice the the, the rate of diabetes wow. is be- part of it's because access to food is not there but what we're trying to do is we're going to try and uh help them build this this grocery store out there in in, in west dayton uh, for those of you listening to this more more details to come yeah on that's, that. a, that's, that's a little great. teaser for you yeah that's great i mean here here is you know a huge problem in this kind of quote-unquote like wellness movement you know forget about plant-based vegan just like being well and being healthy uh has become the idea has become that this is the purview of the well-heeled, the well-off. And that's a huge problem that we Mm. need to conquer because we're in this super bizarre situation 
in which we're uh, overweight and undernourished at the same time because of places like Dayton, these food deserts where there isn't access to healthy food and people that are on food stamps that are on the SNAP program are going to the corner bodega and buying chips and, you know, crap that's making them sick and contributing to this diabetes epidemic. And it's a a huge problem. What's cool is that, I mean, what you're doing is awesome, but also seeing this um, explosion of urban gardening and kind of these... uh, um, you know, downtrodden areas, uh, urban areas that are now kind of being um, rejuvenated with uh, community-oriented gardens where where people are actually growing their own food on like vacant lots and things like that. And I think that's awesome. There's yeah. a lot of that. There's 10,000 uh, abandoned homes in, in, in Dayton. And some people are taking back a lot of those those uh, community spaces or, or making them community spaces and doing, doing some urban gardening there. Um, and I think part of it has to do with, with education. So it's not just about like, oh, let's build this grocery store because if doesn't just because you have it there doesn't mean someone's going to show up and pick carrots over the candy bar they're used to. So it's about it's about not just having access, but having access to the understanding. Because I grew up really poor. We were on food stamps and WIC, and you know we get big tubs of peanut butter and loaves of white bread and blocks of cheese and powdered milk, and like that was our a lot of our diet. And then we like use some food stamps to buy fruit roll ups, and which I think are totally vegan right <laughs> i mean they're not food they're vegan the way this desk is vegan yeah, josh i, I think I that know they're organic yeah th- josh that, that coffee cup i think is probably vegan yeah oh uh, that's probably uh, maybe uh no animals were harmed in the making of this coffee cup um but um uh, the the important thing is is not just access but but let's educate and i think that's what what, what with hannah's question here is like understanding what your options are and it's probably not as complex as you think it is yeah if you're staying in west dayton you're probably gonna have to go down to centerville and go down to the the whole foods there you have to drive 10 miles if you if you're in in the city or at least the kroger on wayne and and, uh on the east side i mean you're gonna have to go somewhere where there's a grocery store but there are grocery stores and it's okay and uh if you can get a hotel with the kitchenette or we often do airbnbs so we we've got the whole setup there bex is uh, the best cook I know, so I'm thankful when I, I travel with her because that gives us an additional option there, especially because Ella, you know, being that she's a, a four-year-old, has yeah. a picky habits because she's a four-year-old, right? And so um, there's the other option. There's the third option. Don't eat. I mean, the, the Bex travels uh, once a week or once every other week, and on her travel day, she just fasts the whole day. And uh, she'll often fast for 36 hours, and you can do it, and you're oh. K, it's actually healthy for eat. you to fast every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, for a it, whole day. It, it's it's one of the few things that uh, we can agree on now through science is that uh, calorie restricted diets help people live longer. Now we can argue what calorie restricted means. We can argue what fasting means. We can say intermittent fasting isn't real fasting, whatever. But but the point is. Yeah, if you're in the out in the air for six hours in a tube, doesn't mean you have to eat just because they come by with the tray full of, of processed carbs and and yeah. old stale meats for you. I'll tell you what Jess Williams, uh, our social media gal, used to do. I don't know if she still does this, but she she was traveling through the United States. She brings a uh, like a rice cooker with her, so all she like it's just if she's in a hotel room, doesn't have a kitchenette. She can at least plug in that rice cooker and you can totally, you know, throw some veggies and rice and, and whatever else that she eats, put it in there and cook it up. 
um, what made me think about that was uh, Hannah's question. I think she said something about preparing meals and bringing them with you. Is that something that you have done at all? No. Okay. Never. Because that yeah, seems like really, that seems really yeah. crazy to me. <laughs> there are people that do that and God bless them. And I think that's another kind of myth or misconception about the plant-based lifestyle. Like, oh, you must have to spend all this time preparing all your meals and set aside one day a week where you prepare your meals for the week. And and these recipes must be incredibly elaborate. Man, you've already talked about it's like, vegan. <laughs> I don't do I don't I don't do any yeah I don't do any of that my wife doesn't do any we we've written 3 cookbooks and all of the recipes are super simple. Anybody who is a novice in the kitchen can master them, no problem. They're hearty, they stick to your ribs, like they fill you up, all of this sort of thing. Um, yes, you can go down the rabbit hole and, and be that person who's you know preparing like Tracy Flick an election, who's like super organized mm-hmm. and all that. I'm busy, I'm doing a million things, I'm traveling, <laughs> all, like I don't have time for that, yeah. you know? And if I can make it work, I'm telling you, like people think, oh, I'm this crazy outlier, like, I'm lazy when it comes to this kind of stuff. Like I really am. And I'm also like a creature of habit. Like I really could like eat rice and beans and guac every day. Like it's just not a big deal yeah. to me. Dude, that's you know, what we did in the cabin in the middle of nowhere. It was like rice yeah. beans and that yeah. And farts all day. <laughs> yeah. It was just the two of us. Ah, that house stunk so bad. <laughs> it smelled like it smelled like firewood and farts. Um uh, but we we made it through. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. Um Last thing that I'll say that has helped me out a lot, because I used to weigh 80 pounds more than I weigh now, realizing that, that food is not entertainment, food is fuel. However, there's a caveat here. People get, always get mad when I say that. Food, food is not entertainment. Oh, yes, it can be. No, it shouldn't be entertaining to you so much as it should be nourishing, but yeah. then you can also enjoy the food that is nourishing your body. It's still, I think it's still okay to to enjoy it, but but I, I don't want to think of it as like, because here's what would happen. Um, you, you, you talked about, you know, in, in your book, you talk about sort of being, you were this couch potato, right? That like in your late 30s, like, you know, just eating chips and junk food and all this other stuff. Like that's when food becomes entertainment. It becomes part of the entertaining process where it's just like, ah. You're eating out of boredom. It's more than entertainment. It becomes a drug. Yeah. You know, food is medicine. And food is part of life. It's a beautiful part of life. We should enjoy it. Um, but food is not a drug, nor should it be treated like a drug, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and when you begin to become a prisoner of your, um, your cravings, then you've got an issue that you, need to, that you need to really look at. And I think Absolutely. there's this idea, another mistaken idea, is that if you start eating healthy, that you're just depriving yourself of joy in your life. And what happens is that those cravings for those foods that don't serve you subside. It's like as somebody who's a long time in recovery, like the first month of being sober is tough. Like you're craving the drug or the the drink or whatever, and it's like making you crazy and you just can't imagine going another day without it. And then it dissipates, right? And now as somebody who's been sober for many years, like I don't think about drugs and alcohol really. Um, In the same way, my relationship with food has changed so I don't crave french fries like I used to and I don't think about cheeseburgers you know <laughs> it's like I, I look forward to the healthy foods that not only sate me but nourish me and, and fuel me and it sounds like Oh, well, that could never happen to me, but I'm telling you, like that's 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 what happens. Your microbial ecology changes, and that has a big impact on 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 those cravings and the quality of those cravings. And like I said, like if I could do it, I'm telling you, anybody can do it. I I totally second that, man, because my my favorite stuff before uh, my blood results and found out that I was you know uh, heading towards diabetes. Um, my favorite foods were like like ice cream. I'd splurge once or twice a week. 
um <clears throat> there are just you know so many amazing restaurants in la like uh, I, we go to a certain restaurant and they put down the big thing of bread and I, you know, instantly I'm just going to have like one bite or one piece and then I end up eating yeah, like the impossible. whole, lo- right, exactly. But what I'll say is like once I gave up those delicious sugary carby treats, those fit my favorite things, there were new things that replaced my favorite things. So now like if I indulge, it's like I'll get a hundred percent dark chocolate bar and never in my life did I think I would get excited about a dark chocolate bar or even like a handful of blueberries. Never thought I would get excited about a handful of blueberries. But now, man, like I, it is, it is my, that is my new favorite. So, I mean, just to your point of, yes, your whole, your whole, uh, tastes change, your cravings change. You just kind of got to get through that, that month or, or two month period of, of getting all that crap out of your body. I know for the first two months, man, I was mad. Like I was really angry yeah, it was. that I had to say no to to uh, bread. I had to say no to ice cream, and then a but couple that yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, it's and similar to like <clears throat> you could be walking around pissed off, like why can't I spend my money on all these things that other people like? I'm a minimalist now, and I'm angry because I can't because <laughs> I like, can't eat all this crap. Yeah, but now you probably don't think about it, <laughs> don't, right? I don't and, at all. Yeah, and, and this is a th- like maybe I'm different than other people in this regard but i'm not a big fan of like, a lot of people are like well have a cheat day like eat really well six yeah. days a week and then have your cheat day like that just would not work for me, me. because if you day, told me yeah. i could eat in and out burger one day a week i would spend the other six days just thinking about, <laughs> about the, you know yeah. and then that one day would turn into two days and then and then i'd just be eating it all the time I'm like i need exactly. to like divorce myself from that food until I don't crave it anymore. And then you're no longer imprisoned by it. I love how you said I'm free from it because like I'm going, I'm going to see Elton John this weekend. Uh, he's playing in Las Vegas. Uh, Mariah and I are going with our, our friends and they were over a couple nights ago and they're talking about all this amazing desserts and, and, and all this food that they get when they're in Vegas. And every time they would say something, they would be like, oh, yeah, but Ryan, you probably can't eat that. And Mariah, you've got the dietary restrictions. You can't probably eat that. Were they fucking with you or they were just... Uh... No, no, they were they were actually supporting oh, me. Oh, I got you. Yeah. I got you. Um, but but uh, uh, long story short, they what they were saying, that the foods that they were presenting, there was nothing to me that I was like, oh, damn, I'm going to miss out on that. Like, I truly am not jealous. Where two months ago... I would have been pissed off. I'd have been like, shit, I got to go to Vegas and avoid all that. And now it is, it's like, oh great. Like I'm glad, like I can be happy for them that they're going to enjoy food. I will, which is really weird. I really enjoy watching people eat all the shit that I used to like, but I don't want to eat it. Mm -hmm. So, um, you had to have the willingness, the wherewithal to be uncomfortable for a couple weeks and like ride it out while you were angry to get to the other side. And I think that gets missed in this conversation, which is, yeah, Maybe it's going to suck for a little bit, you know, but when you're working towards betterment, like you have to go through like a little bit of discomfort to get to that place. And most people don't want to do that. Mm. But the truth is, like, if you can, you know, buck up and and just, you know, walk through that discomfort and know like there is light on the other side of that, that's that's really the path forward to creating something sustainable. Yeah. 
Well, and I'd love to send you a copy of Rich's new book. It's uh, he and his wife uh, Julie wrote a book. It's I think your third. Your is it your third uh, recipe book? Uh, yeah. Well, my we wrote the Plant Power Way. It came out a couple of years ago. Then my wife wrote a, a, a plant based cheese book called This the Cheese, cheese is, nuts. is Nuts. So she she's the sole author on that one, and then okay. we jointly wrote this new one. Plant so this Power is Way, the Italia. Plant, yeah, the Plant Power Way Italia. Um, uh, we just got a copy of it in the mail, and Bex opened it up. She was like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to dive into this." So I, know, I was just looking at it. I'm like, "Yeah." It looks there's a lot of good recipes in there yeah so uh we'll send you hannah we'll send you a copy of that i'll have sean reach out to you and uh we'll send you a copy all right our next question is from kimberly i wanted to ask your guys opinion on buying organic vegetable and fruits and also grass-fed meat um and how people on a budget can afford those food because they are usually more expensive than regular food. All right. So, so Rich, um, buying healthy foods is too expensive. I'm sure you've heard that before. Well, you mentioned it just for the previous question, how we have this thing, or when, when we were talking before about how eating healthy is like this, this, um, it's only for the well off, I think right. is what you said. Right. So how do I answer this best? I mean, the first thing I would say, just to you know, to directly answer her question, um, organic is better. You know, I'm, I, I think it's important if you have the money to invest in organic. Now, there are certain foods where it's more important to buy organic rather than conventionally grown. There's a list called the Dirty Dozen. You can find it on the Environmental Working Group's website. I think it's ewg.org. Also, a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, um, and and. And I would urge everybody, if you can make it work within your budget, to to make that you know, make that investment in yourself. You're going to pay for it at some time in your life, so pay for it now rather than in your healthcare bills later. Mm. Uh, I did a podcast recently with this amazing doctor, Zach Bush, who spoke at length about um, the ills of conventional farming and the pesticide residue that ends up in our food and um, the link between uh, all of this and the incidence of chronic illness later in life. And so I do think it is important. That being said, I am uh, sympathetic to those who are on a budget and 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 can't and simply can't afford organic. So, um, if you can't buy organic, that's not an excuse to not buy fresh produce. Uh, that's always better than not eating produce or high fiber plant foods. Um, so please, you know, don't be confused about that. Um, but if you can, I, I really think organic is worth it. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I've heard the same thing. The list is very uh, interesting to me. Because there are some things on there, I don't know if I've seen the same exact list, but there are some things on that list that truly don't need, like oranges. Like, don't you really don't have to worry about buying oranges organic? Because uh, is that is that true? Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the list and the the specific items elude me right now. I know strawberries are super important to buy organic. There are some that are better than others, and I think you know where people get confused is they think, well, if I just wash it off, it's fine. Mm. But uh, you know, glyphosate, the active ingredient in Monsanto's Roundup, these things they're in the soil and they get absorbed into the roots, so it becomes integral in the food itself. You can't Um, can't wash it out. Right, it's going to be there no matter what. I, I agree with you that when I think of myself and if I'm like, well, I can't afford to buy something in this case, it's like I can't afford not to treat myself 
myself uh, in, in a healthful way, right? And so, um, yeah, you're going to end up paying for it later, but but you're going to pay for it in a bunch of other ways that aren't just the, the medical bills or whatever else. It's paying for it in the way that you feel. You're, you don't have the optimized life. And so the, the way that I look at this is, like, what's your budget? Uh, and Kimberly, do you have a, a budget? If you make $2,000 a month, how much of that is allocated to your groceries? And the question then is, if you have you know, $400 allocated to your groceries and if organic's gonna cost you an additional 50 bucks a month, where can that $50 come from? For me, it can come from one of two places. I can either take it from somewhere else in my budget and, and it's more important to me to, to eat healthfully than it is to have cable TV or something like that. Or I can find a way to make an additional $50 a month. That might mean uh, driving Uber one night a month or, or something like that. So like I can afford to buy the, the, the fuel for my body because otherwise I'm going to put junk in there. And of course, if I put junk in my body, all I'm going to get is junk out. Yeah, and I think uh, that's absolutely right. And you know, maybe look at how much money are you spending going out to lunch or going out to dinner or in restaurants, other areas where you're spending money on food and be really honest with yourself about that. Also, uh, the organic market is, is shifting and changing. Um, you know, places like Costco and Walmart are stocking more and more organic foods. Yeah, and they're do, and they're foods yeah, and they're being it, they're able to deliver it at a more affordable price point. Um, I don't know if there's a farmers market in your region, but sometimes you can cut deals with the local. It's always better to buy local anyway, and if you yeah. can like develop a relationship with uh, with the farmers at your local farmers market, you can get you can get special deals. Yeah. We were um, just there this weekend, the farmers market, and and like it's amazing the act. I mean, you you can still have to uh, get the conventional versus versus organic. You'll find the conventional stuff there too. But uh, it's just like going to the grocery store. But but you can actually. It's much easier to to barter with someone who is they're the decision maker. I can't go to the cashier at Aldi and say, "Hey, can yeah. you give me fifteen percent off the blueberries?" They're gonna look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Um, I noticed like even sticker price on stuff was a little bit cheaper at the farmers market that we went to. Yeah. Like just for avocados and strawberries and and stuff like that. So when it comes to budgeting, we did a whole podcast episode on uh, getting your budget together. So Kimberly, I would encourage you to take a a deep dive in your budget. Sean, will you put a link to that that podcast episode in? in the show notes the 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 budgeting episode um because there's really there's nothing more important than your health if you don't have your health then everything else is going to suffer so let's let's find a way to put that first so if you're asking this question i say kimberly bravo to you for asking this question now the question you have to ask yourself is how can i make this happen how can i make it happen so i'm buying what is actually going to fuel my body as opposed to get in the way of my life success yeah and if kimberly yeah but just to echo what josh said if you're feeling like yeah there's no way you can afford it um definitely definitely listen to that budget podcast because there are some really good tips on there and just figuring out how you can kind of make different things work my favorite the first thing i think of with when uh with that podcast is uh the likes once needs list yeah yeah that no, we, another way to position that would just be essentials non-essentials and junk Quite often, we're buying a lot of junk for our, our households mm. and not realizing like we're forsaking the essentials uh, as, as, as a result. Um, Kimberly, I'd love to send you a copy of Rich's book, Finding Ultra, uh, the, the new edition that just came out. So, Sean, if you could reach out to Kimberly and get her a, a copy of the book, I would, I'd appreciate that. I think you'll find a lot of value in it. 
All right, let's... Uh, oh, before we move on, we'd love to hear what you all have to say. So if you have a comment or tip about food, including advice for any of our callers today, then leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. We will air our favorite comments and tips at the end of each episode. It's my favorite part of the show because we get to steal your advice and reappropriate it for future episodes. That's right. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for... For our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Do you remember how this worked last time? Well, we... Uh, I don't. <laughs> did we, we, I don't think we did this I th- No, I think we did like for, oh, a, you guys for a second. Segment, segments. <laughs> yeah, it's like this is super pro. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are on... Uh, we, we try to be. We have a piece of paper printed out. That's the only thing that makes a professional here. We're on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists. Uh, during the lightning round, this is where Ryan and I both do our best to each answer every question with just a short, shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text to these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like and now uh jessica puts all of our quotes in one place we have hundreds or maybe even over a thousand of our own quotes now uh over at minimalmaxims.com so rich the way that this will work for you is um we come up with a tweetable answer but usually we maunder on a bit anyway mm-hmm. so eventually we'll come up with something pithy for you as well but uh, we'll ask some questions here from social media. You want to start with Ashley's question, Ryan? I will. Our first lightning round question is from Ashley. She writes in, how do you separate what is trendy from what is actually beneficial for you? Well, my, my, my pithy answer, and then I'll unpack it a little bit, is that which is real often isn't trendy, and that which is trendy often isn't real. And, uh, I mean, you know what? It, it may It's the, the real foods... It may be trendy at some point in time to be Instagramming something beautiful or whatever, but like we've been eating real foods well before we had agriculture even, you know, 70,000 years ago, we were eating real foods, right? And, and so it, it, I think what, what Ashley is asking here is like, there are often these, these fad diets and we see these very prescriptive sort of diet books or recipe, recipe plans or whatever. Uh, how do you get around that, Rich? How do you get around being trendy and, and, and instead focusing on what is real? Well, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, eat real food close to its natural state, you know, would be a good one. Or, or, or Michael Pollan's famous quote, which is like, eat, eat real food, uh, mostly plants, not too much. Yes. You know, it's like, that's not, that's not going out of style. Um, that's not a trend. And yeah, there's trends come and go and we see, you know, these sort of very emotionally heated arguments online about which diet is best, et cetera. Um, but ultimately, you know, anybody who's well-intentioned about their diet is going to agree on 90% of these items. And that 90% can be boiled down to a pithy tweet, which is just eat real food. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's funny, my, my partner, Rebecca, she often talks about like, uh, that that 90% that we can all agree agree on and then you play around on what the edge is what, what's appropriate for you right and so uh, some people will say well this particular uh, a diet is appropriate for me a paleo diet or uh, a keto diet or the Atkins diet or a vegan diet a vegetarian diet you play around with the edges but the 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 healthy diet is going to be 80 90 percent the same on all of those if you put all those on a venn diagram you're probably and if you're doing them in in a healthful way you're going to notice that like they're almost all the same in the center and you're just playing with what the the details are on the edges and also pay attention to yourself and what works for you 
forget about trends, like be your own uh, arbiter of what is successful for you. Like journal it, how do you feel today? What did you mm -hmm. eat today? And tweak accordingly until you find the recipe that is best suited for your lifestyle and your disposition. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good uh, lead into my uh, my tweetable, shareable answer. Trendy and beneficial aren't always opposites. The question to ask is how is trendy or what is trendy? How is it going to serve your life? So to your point, something can be trendy and it actually might be beneficial to you, but that's something that uh, the person is going to have to decide for themselves. I mean, I wish that Josh and I and, and, and Rich could be like, oh, you know what? We, the three of us know what the perfect diet is for every single person on this on the planet. We figured it out, guys. Right. We <laughs> but sat the, in this room until we got it. But the truth is, I mean, even though we're all humans and like, you know, by and large, we're, we're the same uh, when it comes to nutrition, uh, we do all operate a little bit differently and, and we have to figure that out for ourselves. Yeah, we have different microbiomes. We have we've been plagued with different health issues. And, and so what is appropriate for me may not be appropriate for you. And, and also, I mean, Rich can eat 40,000 calories a day because he just swims it off every morning. <laughs> I bet you're, you're at 5,000 calories a day, something like no, that, right? You'd be surprised. Yeah. I actually, I probably don't eat that much more than, than either of you guys. I, I just, over the Call years, I become, no, I become, <laughs> I become. Careful, dude, Rich will kick your I ass. I know, my caloric <laughs> intake, I mean, it's going to be a little higher than the average person, but it's not like crazy it's not like the michael phelps crazy diet i'm i've become just very adapted to the training that i do so it's it's just not as taxing mm. anymore as it mm. once was you're more so, efficient yeah you, you become more efficient okay okay i was uh i was at uh i was visiting dr uh, green yesterday yeah and i was he was telling me about exercise routines and how basically uh your your body is like the laziest mechanism for burning calories like it, it it will find the laziest way to burn the calories and uh what we were what brought that up is i was talking about my workout and how you know i pretty much i, I mix up the exercises a little bit from week to week yeah but you know i don't see the results that i really want and he was explaining to me how i mean you know how it is if you, if you do the same exact routine yeah then like your body gets used to it you become more efficient at it and you're you're able to burn calories in an efficient way and do what you need to do mm. um but uh but yeah i'm, I'm gonna change it over the next few weeks up. i gotta mix it up man indeed speaking of mixing it up what's our next question ryan all right man our next lightning round question is from daniel what are your thoughts on the relationship between good nutrition and mental health it seems it's often not discussed. Yeah, so I, my father was was schizophrenic. I mean, like legitimately, he had elaborate relationships with people who who didn't exist in the real world, and um, yeah, it, it it made for a really rough initial childhood. Yeah, you know, I didn't know him much after age three or four um, because like we had to move away. He he got really abusive and and crazy. And I uh, to what extent that was exacerbated by his diet. I don't know, but he was also clinically obese. And um, did one cause the other? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But I know it certainly didn't help that he had a, a terrible diet, right? And so uh, are, are we talking about mental health? I mean, it seems like we're, we're talking more about it now than, than we have in the past. There, there was a stigma for a very long time. Um, and, and so I'm glad that we're talking about it. It's sad. The context we're talking about it now is like, well, there are all these mass shootings. And the one commonality between all the mass shootings besides guns is 
mental health. Mm. Almost all of these people are on some sort of psychiatric medicine or have, ha- have been diagnosed. And we, we have a huge uh, mental health crisis. And I think part of it is also a, a crisis of uh, of meaning. And so we've, we've turned to a lot of different pacifiers and we're living unhealthfully. And part of that, it, it, my, well, my, here was my short answer that I wrote down. Our brains and bodies are not standing in separate rooms. And I think sometimes we often think that, right? Like, especially in academia, you'll, you'll see people who are very unhealthy, but who are really smart. And it's like, it seems so incongruous with me, like, because we think of our mind as being the separate thing from our body, but our body fuels our mind and, and vice versa, right? Yeah, I mean, that was exactly the point that I was going to make. Uh, you know, first of all, just to preface it, um, you know, mental illness is, is, is certainly real and it's a spectrum and it comes in many different forms. Uh, and, and diet is not necessarily the antidote, you know, the cure to many, you know, many of the conditions that, that, uh, that are plaguing people. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, uh, this idea, this dualistic notion that there is mental health and physical health, or there is your brain and there is your body, uh, and that these things are separate entities is insane. Yeah. It's all one integrated mechanism. And when you're, when you're thinking about physical health, that that also you know you're talking about brain health as well you know i had had, health of your brain yeah of course these things are not they're interdependent they're interrelated and and they i think the more that we can think about it as a symbiotic whole the better off we are and the truth is when you are eating a healthier diet that's going to be better for your brain health and your mental health um you know your your energy levels that affects your your mental disposition the extent to which you're depressed or not depressed etc things like this can all be modulated to some extent based upon your lifestyle choices and your diet i just i just had these doctors on my podcast a while back um this husband and wife team the scherzes and they've been uh treating Alzheimer's patients with diet and lifestyle and getting incredible results. And this is a disease that, you know, look, it's an epidemic and Western medicine has been really striking out and trying to find a way to uh, prevent and reverse this. And it was amazing to hear the impact that these doctors and, and other people out in the world are having by really going back to this idea of lifestyle and diet. And I think it just speaks to you know, the power of the choices that we're making with respect to the foods that we're eating and how we're moving our bodies, et cetera, can have on our mental state. Yeah, the moving your body part is, is really important too because I, I lived a very sedentary lifestyle to the point where I had turned off a lot of muscles in my body because I was I was seated, you know, eight to 12 hours a day most days in my car a lot. I manage a bunch of retail stores. So I was just like, I'd go from place to place to place. I'd sit down in meetings all day. And I didn't get up and move. I didn't really exercise. And I, I got to a point where I think part of the uh, despair that I felt was, was because I wasn't moving the way. And, and now we're starting to see more more comprehensive studies that show that in many cases, uh, uh, movement is, a, is as effective, if not more effective in some patients than some of these antidepressants, right? And, and clinical depression is a real thing, but just because you're feeling down or feeling sad, 
feeling a little bit of despair doesn't mean that you are necessarily clinically depressed. Maybe you've just created a shitty life for yourself like I did. One that looked great, like had this this really good veneer, but it was rotting underneath, right? And and um, so maybe it's not just the, the mental health side of things. It's just this mental fog. It's a mental despair that we're feeling that we can we can cure a lot of that. We can cure ourselves with what we put into our body and then how we move our bodies as well. Yeah, there's a guy called Johan Hari who recently wrote a, uh, a pretty amazing book. The name escapes me right now. Um, we but talked it, about him a little bit on the but podcast. But it's about depression. Yeah, yeah. and and how you know look certain people need to be medicated but we're just so quick to prescribe um and i think that uh there is wisdom in really evaluating lifestyle habits and and the extent to which your life is fueled with purpose and meaning and the impact of 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 that on your overall mental disposition yeah but a pill is so much easier. It's yeah. easier than exercising. Right. It's easier than eating right. Then you don't it's have easier to, than then budgeting for you don't for have healthy to look at food. your life. You don't have to. You don't have to look in the mirror honestly either. Yeah, yeah. I uh, no, I totally agree with what you guys are saying. My my short answer is this: food addiction can be as hard to overcome as drug addiction. Like when I think about when I was uh, coming off of 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 my drugs, uh, I was like opiates were like pain pills were like my thing, and coming off of that. Um, brutal, brutal, man. I mean, like, yeah, uh, like a month of not being able to sleep, um, not sleep well. Like the first week, it was like hardly any sleep, and then the last three weeks, it was you know maybe three or four hours a night if I could get that in. But uh, long story short, it, it getting getting off of sugar, getting off of of uh, those really nice fast burning carbs that I'm not allowed to eat anymore. Again, like there was a month or two where I was just like angry. I, like I had to really, um, I don't want to say suppress the anger, but I really had to like tell myself like, Ryan, take some deep breaths. It's okay. You don't have to let out this mad feeling that you have right now. But it was at least two months of, of really um, kind of on this on this roller coaster. But but just speaking to how food act- absolutely does affect your, your mental health, um, coming off of it will affect your mental health a little bit too, maybe. Yeah, I think if... Uh the thing I wrote down here is if you fuel your body, um, you, fuel, you fuel your brain, and, and if you're abusing your body, you're also abusing your brain because it's it's all there. It's mm-hmm. all tied up. You can't be treating your body like crap and think that it's not going to affect every part of your body. It is. And uh, your brain's using a lot of calories throughout the day, and if you're just putting in a bunch of garbage calories, then guess what? You, you, you're going to feel like garbage. All right, we have one more question here. This question is from Jamie. Jamie says, how can I make being a vegan more economical? Some of the stuff you need to do it right can be expensive. Also, running slash outdoor gear can be pricey. So it's expensive to run. Uh, any tips on that too? So so before we dive into that, uh, if you want to hear our answers to that question, you can listen to our postscript uh, episode this week. Each week we publish our postscript episode over at the Minimalists Private Podcast, which shows up as a separate feed in the same exact podcast app you're using right now to listen to this episode. Uh, the Minimalist Private Podcast is just for our Patreon supporters. Uh, that's the supporters of this podcast, and it's that's why it's private. 
Uh, so if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to theminimalists.com slash support. The Minimalist Private Podcast feed includes our weekly postscript episodes, but also includes our monthly Ask the Minimalists Anything episodes. We're actually recording one of those later today. Uh, unreleased recordings of all of our live events there on that feed and our entire back catalog of past private podcast episodes. As a supporter, you also receive access to our monthly video live streams as well as first access to tickets to all of our live events before those tickets are available to the general public. You can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here's a quick snippet from this week's Postscript episode. I have so much to say about this. <laughs> this is like my favorite question. Let's do it. Uh, because it gets right to the heart of so many myths and misconceptions about uh, eating plant-based and also the fitness lifestyle. So first of all, with respect to quote unquote, like trying to do plant-based right, uh, there's this idea that to do it right, you have to go to Whole Foods and buy all these exotic superfoods like spirulina and hemp seeds mm. and chia seeds and all the like, because that's what ends up on Instagram because that's what's sexy. That's what people like to talk about because it's new. But the truth is eating plant-based this is pauper food. This is not fancy. Uh, I made a video about this on YouTube. It's the most video, most watched video I've ever made on my YouTube channel. It, it sort of parodies this whole thing. It's called Vegan on $25. And I go to a bunch of different markets and I see what I can get for 25 bucks. And I start with like the like Erwan the fanciest and I literally buy like two blueprint juices or like you know like and I and that's it that's all I can get for 25 bucks <laughs> and I go to everyone you know it's like and because yeah, that's like ooh if you want to be like in wellness you have to get your your fresh pressed you know whatever and it's super expensive mm. yeah it can be expensive if that's the road that you're traveling down Erwan charged you $25 <clears throat> admission and I go I go to like five markets and I end up at this like uh, Indian market, like deep in the valley, like, you know, this weird like place. And I literally walk out of there with this like 25 pound bag of rice and then this other giant, you know, like 10 pound bag of, of black beans, like dried beans or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was still like under 25 bucks. Like That's the truth awesome. is stick to the basic items. Like if you, you can buy, you can buy a month's worth of rice for like 10 bucks, right? right. And that can provide the base for so many dishes that you're gonna make. Mm -hmm. You can buy beans for close to nothing. You can make vegan chilies with that. You can make all different kinds of stuff with these basic items. And then when you go to the grocery store, um, look, if you can't afford organic because that's too expensive, then buy conventional when you can buy organic. But stick to the edges at the grocery store. Don't avoid all those middle aisles where all that processed crap is. Um, and a lot of that stuff's expensive too, right? Mm -hmm. So just get your fresh produce, your vegetables, your fruits, your nuts, your seeds, your whole grains. And I think you'll be surprised uh, that it's much more affordable than you think. A lot of these animal products and dairy products, that's where the money's going. So there are ways to do it in a very cost-effective way. All right, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. So we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently. So I'm going to talk about a few things here because we're talking about food today. And I was thinking like, what can be, what can be food adjacent? And, and um, well, we've already talked about Rich's new books, so whether it's Finding Ultra or 
the plant power way italia and uh so so i would encourage folks if you're interested in those you can pick those up if you're looking for additional recipes as well my uh my partner rebecca runs a, a great blog called minimalwellness.com i was eating, eating her uh, buffalo uh, cauliflower this weekend and, and then eating the leftovers and eating more leftovers this morning. I don't think I've ever morning. had buffalo cauliflower I didn't enjoy. Like it is good. it is so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was great. So uh, you can find that recipe. Actually, she just put it up on, on her website over at minimalwellness.com and uh, also while we were, she was cooking this weekend, we were sort of hanging out in the kitchen together. We were listening to this new EP from Aquillo. Uh, I know they're one of my 10 favorite albums of last year, but they just put on a new EP. It's, nice. a, it's, it's almost like atmospheric music. It's like the perfect cooking music. It's it's atmospheric, it's slow, but it's also building. Uh, we just turned on the speakers and had it going on repeat. It's a five-song EP, and it's just called Two, like the Roman numeral two. Uh, we'll put a link to that. And the, Actually, you know what? They have a great song called Thin, and there's a perfect line in there about uh about minimalism about what what's what's the purpose of having all these things if it's just going to make you thin Mm. and thin as in like a thin life as in not full and uh and so to me it was like this perfect metaphor but it was it was just like great music to spend the weekend sort of hanging out with bex and she was cooking some amazing stuff and also i want to uh not necessarily recommend, but just tell you about something I've been trying recently. It's added value to my life the last few days. You know how if you get a phone call, you say, hey, I'm going to step outside. Let me take this really quickly, right? Like, oh, crap, I'm getting a phone call. I'm going to step outside and let me take this really quickly. We were at, at brunch the other day, um, the four of us. Yes, that's what you do in LA on Sundays. You go have brunch? Yes. It was at 9 a.m. I don't know if that was like the right brunch time, but. <laughs> well, you, the, the key in LA to, to do brunch is before 10 a.m. Otherwise, you have to wait an hour and a half line. <laughs> Uh, anywhere but you know how you you take a phone call and you're like hey um let me let me me step outside and take this i've been doing this with text messages oh my god it's like it makes me so much more intentional about i say hey let me step out and take this text message really quick because it's just a way for me to say pardon me i'm acknowledging the fact that i'm interrupting us right now and so it makes me want to do it less frequently but sometimes there is really a time where I need to step out. I really need to send this text message. I really need to do this, but I'm not going to pull this barrier out in front of us mm-hmm. and say, hold on, I'm going to send this text message and I'm just holding it and, and, and placing this barrier up. And it makes me more deliberate. And so I'm working on an essay uh, about it right now. But uh, if, for those of you who want to try it out, if you just send me a tweet on, on, on Twitter, let me know how it's going for you. Um, it's been something that has changed my relationship with the phone being on me saying, Hey, I have to step out of this room or away from this table. So even I do this at home, pardon me, I'm going to go take this text message and it's totally, it just reframes it for me. So I'd encourage you all to uh, maybe give that a shot, see what it does for you. And one more thing that has added value to my life because I listen to it quite frequently is rich rolls podcast. It's called, the Rich Roll Podcast. <laughs> Very appropriately uh, named. And everything we're talking about with Rich Roll today, you can find over at richroll.com, his podcast, his books, Finding Ultra, all of the recipe books, his blog, and, and all everything social is all linked up there. You can find him on, on Instagram and let him inspire you there as well. Ryan, what has been adding value to your life recently? Man, I was trying to think of something food adjacent. And uh, what, I'll, what I'll say is if you're ever in the LA area, or if you live in LA, there's a place called uh, Creation. It starts with a K. Have you heard of this? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so. I think you're talking to. Yeah, dude. So, 
So, <laughs> well, there are so many places in LA, man. At yeah. first, I didn't even realize it was a chain, but they, uh, I think it's just, it's just LA based. Is that correct? I, that I don't know. Okay. There's, pretty, one, on, there's one on Abikini in Venice too. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe they, they've expanded a little bit, but the reason why they haven't expanded to, you know, much further than LA County is because they are so particular with how, their, the, the ingredients that they source. So they are going out of their way to get local ingredients from local farmers, and and they're they're very intentional with that. To open one up in Chicago, uh, they would lose a lot of that quality. Mm-hmm. So um, I just yeah, I really appreciate the chain. It is it is uh, it's one of Mariah and I's favorite places to eat. And then I'm gonna recommend an album, dude. It's funny I'm coming across all these old these albums that came out last year that uh, I'm just now finding out about because like I'll put on like a like I'll put on a Quillo radio on on iTunes or something I've been doing the same thing like you find albums that are like 2017 albums you're like why is this new to me right, right I'm now? like why is this so new but uh, if it's new to me it might be new to someone else but there's a uh, the, you wouldn't like them Josh but that's alright guys have you heard of the Beatles yeah the Beatles <laughs> there's this 1965 album I really like um, no it's a band called Deer Tick and uh, they had an album come out them. last year called Deer Tick Volume 1 it's very it's like a mix between like singer songwriter um, type style, but also uh, like Doctor Dog, if you know who that is. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's like it's it's a good mix between like that genre. I think Doctor Dog, like they they would be considered like independent singer songwriter folks, but they have like their own style. It's kind of like a singer songwriter uh, genre mixed with that Doctor Dog style. Anyway, it's really good. Check it out. All right, well, let's move on to right here, right now. It's where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Well, this is coming out on the 1st of May. It's a brand new month, which means a brand new 30-day minimalism game. For those of you who are uninformed about the minimalism game, it's like one of the most popular things. I, I had this lady uh, walk up to me. Where was, I was at a Noah Gunderson concert down in Orange County, and uh, she goes, Hey, you're one of the minimalist guys, right? I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. She goes, "Uh, have you heard of the 30-day minimalism game? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, I I made it up. And she's like, I know. I don't know why I said that. Um, That's great. But yeah, it's it's one of the things like decluttering is... I think it's kind of boring when we talk about decluttering. I'm like, you don't think of like, I want to spend my weekend just cleaning out the closet, right? Like it's, but so we found a way to make it a little bit more fun. So it's uh, by injecting some friendly competition into it. So the way the 30 day minimalism game works is you find a friend, a family member, a coworker, arch nemesis, arch nemesis. What's the plural of arch nemesis? Oh my God. Nemesis. Nemesis. Yeah. Your enemies. Uh, <laughs> anyway, you find some people you you want to partner up with at the beginning of the month, and you each agree to get rid of some stuff. It starts off really easy to get that momentum you need. The average American household has three hundred thousand items in it. Most people don't know where the hell to start in their own house, and so you can just start somewhere. The first day of the month, you each say, "I'm going to get rid of one item each." Second day of the month, two items. Third day of the month, three items. Fourth day, four items, so forth and so on. So it starts off really easy, gets you that momentum you need. But by the middle of the month, you're like, oh my God, how am I going to keep going? It's day 15. I have to get rid of 15 items. And tomorrow, I have to get rid of 16 items. Now, whoever goes the longest wins. So you can bet whatever you want. You can bet a dollar like Ryan and I would or or tens of thousands of dollars if you want. Um, 
or just a meal or just bragging rights. Whoever goes the longest wins. If you both make it to the end of the month, you've both won because you've you've gotten rid of about 500 items and it's a really good start. And we've had communities of people who keep going on day 32, day 35, they, or they'll just start over beginning of the next month, day one, all over again. Uh, you can find all details of that at uh, theminimalists.com slash game. We'll also put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, we also have a video version of this podcast coming soon. We're in our, our new studio space here. Rich is one of our first guests. and um, beautiful. Yeah, thank you. We, it's uh, supported by our Patreon supporters, so thank you so much to the, the folks who support us on Patreon. You allow us to have this beautiful space, and uh, we're, as soon as we have uh, enough supporters, we're going to have a video version of the podcast set up as well. We're going to hire a full-time filmmaker to help us out with that. You can subscribe to that over at youtube.com slash The Minimalist. We're going to have uh, TK Coleman on the podcast next week we're going to yeah, talk yeah. about education and uh, the difference between education and schooling and we're also going to talk about careers so i uh, look forward to, to having that discussion with tk coleman next week uh, i'm also doing a uh now that we're finally settled here in los angeles and i gotta say i love living in los angeles it, it's uh it's, it's great yes la gets a bad rap but i don't know LA's why awesome it's it's uh, you know? the great people like i get to spend time like it before like living in missoula like it's beautiful but like i didn't have my my tribe there and so like i had ryan and sean i had to i had to move my tribe there basically like hey people from ohio you want to come with me uh, but here like i'm able to like I spend time with people I care about. The weather is amazing. I've I've found my pockets of people. I uh, I think it's a bad rap. I think sometimes because of the people. And and what I realize is like, well, wait a minute. There are like 20 million people here in, in Southern California. If you can't find your tribe, that's not the pe- fault of the people here. It's the the fault of me for not being able to find my own tribe. And yeah, it took a little while for me to to get ingrained in the right pockets. But it is so good living here now. I just uh, I really enjoy it. Um, but uh, I'm going to do a house tour of Bex and my and Ella's uh, house on May 11th at 9 a.m. Pacific time over on our Instagram live feed. So we're at The Minimalists on Instagram, and it's only going to be up for 24 hours because that's how Instagram live works. So uh, if you want to check that out, you don't even have to follow us on Instagram, I don't think. You can just go over there and, and find it. Or if you do want to follow us and then quickly unfollow us, that's totally fine with me too. Um, but yeah, it's uh, May 11th, 9 a.m. Pacific time. We'll do a live tour. I'll answer some of your questions as well. I already alluded to this, but uh, Ryan and I, as well as Matt Diavella and our crew here at Podcast Sean as well, are working on the new documentary. It's called The Minimalists Less Is Now. And uh, we're actually headed out to Joshua Tree next weekend to film some stuff with that, some interviews and some B-roll. We were just in Dayton, Ohio. We got in this beautiful abandoned mall. It's I saw a, that on Instagram. It's, it's, it, looked, it looked amazing. It, well, see, it, Incredible. It failed because they turned it into a mall. It wasn't actually a mall. It was a community gathering space built in 1904. And then they tried to revitalize it. I put that in, in vocal quotes here. And they turned it into a mall in the late 70s, early 80s. And it, it's this most beautiful space. And uh, uh, they're, they're going to repurpose it now and turn it into something great uh, as opposed to shopping. It's going to be turned into mixed-use housing and co-working space and retail. Uh, I'm really optimistic for that. We wanted to get in there. It was the perfect metaphor. Ryan, Ryan said this when we were filming. It was the perfect metaphor for consumerism. Like When you consume too much, this is what happens. Everything crumbles. 
And so we went back, we did some uh, filming there in Dayton, went back to my childhood home, which is boarded up now. And uh, hopefully we'll have that edited this summer. And who knows, maybe by the end of the year, we'll even have that out in, in front of the rest of the world. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, also, some a bunch of new writings. Now that we're done touring, we've been writing a whole lot uh, up on our website. Um, uh, just go to theminimalist.com. You can put your email address at the top there. We'll send you any new essays that are published. Also, any of the, the show notes that we always mention, those will go right to your email inbox as well. We'll never send you spam because you know that stuff's gross. Uh, I think that's all I have right now. Ryan, do you have anything else? Yeah, man, I've got these uh, voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. This is Cecilia Duffy from Geneva, Ohio. I have some tips for helping to minimize your food preparation to keep things healthy, yet not taking time daily to cook. This opens up time to pursue those things that you value. I'm recently widowed and my daughter is away at college, so it is only me to cook for most of the time. Due to my life change and challenges, I am working longer hours to support myself and daughter. As a chiropractor, a core value of mine is to eat healthy and organic, but I don't want to take the time to cook on a daily basis like I did when I worked part-time and was feeding my family of three. On Sunday mornings, I put on the newest podcast of The Minimalist and head to the kitchen to cook for the week. It takes me less than two hours to cook for the week and clean up the kitchen. This will work for those who don't mind eating the same thing for a week at a time. For breakfast. I cook up turkey sausage and have fresh fruit available. Other breakfasts include my homemade granola with almond milk and nuts. For lunch, this is where I get my daily greens. I use a very large Tupperware container and place washed lettuces, radishes, shredded carrots, cukes, olives, etc. all ready to go. I top this salad with prepared proteins. I cook up lean proteins like chicken, turkey, and fish, enough to last for all lunches and dinners for the week. I buy enough to allow four ounces per serving. I figure out how many times I plan to eat out that week and adjust accordingly. For dinner, I make ahead tons of roasted, steamed, or sautéed vegetables. I will make one starch a week to eat with dinner, rotating between rice, quinoa, pasta, or sweet potatoes. Other times, I will make a large pot of soup or stew that incorporates all the food types, a protein, starch, and lots of veggies. For snacks, I make a homemade trail mix with raw nuts, raisins, dried cherries, and apples. Celery with almond butter and raisins is another favorite. Nut or granola bars also work for snacks. All foods are placed in separate containers in the refrigerator. I use a stainless steel container with a BPA-free lid called Lunchbots. I buy only what I need for the week. This keeps costs down and I don't have a lot of unused food sitting in a pantry. When my daughter is home from school, I just increase the amounts that I cook to accommodate feeding her as well. Um, hi, my name is Emily, and I wanted to share a minimalist parenting tip. Uh, I was listening to the parenting episode, and someone was asking about whether or not to save baby things for a potential future child. And I know that at first, it seems like a really good ideal idea or even frugal. Um, that's what I thought when I had my daughter. But then I realized that my next child could very well be a boy. Or even if I did have another daughter, there wasn't any guarantee that she would also be born in October and at the same time of year. So I guess I just wanted to say, sure, you can save a few of your absolute favorites, but I'm glad I didn't. And I think, I think that my son is happy not to have his big sister family down. Hi, this is Rachel Richards, and I'm from 
the Dallas, Texas area, and I just wanted to give you guys an idea. Everyone always asks, you know, what to give for gifts because they don't want to, you know, add to someone else's extra stuff, you know. And so um, I came up with an idea of making videos for my family and posting them on Facebook, and they're they're usually funny videos, and that's their birthday present from us, and they love it. They absolutely love it, and they could share it with their friends, and it's just been a big hit. And it's free, and it's, it's kind of like, you know, giving the experience, but especially if you can't be with that family member on their birthday. All right, y'all, that's almost it for this episode. Before we close out, Rich, I just want to say thank you so much for being yeah, a man. part of this. We really appreciate yeah, it, man. man. I'm Thanks grateful for, for your friendship. Guys. I'm grateful for your knowledge. I'm grateful for that you exist in the world. And uh, thank you for doing everything you do, man. Yeah, man. Appreciate Thanks for it. being inspirational. Uh, thank you, guys. It's uh, It's been a pleasure getting to know both of you guys. And, and thank you for letting me participate in, in some of your cool stuff. And look, you guys are putting out an amazing message. And to the extent that I can help amplify that and uh and further the reach of what you're doing it's my pleasure to do so and it's great to be here and talk to you guys you're inspiring tons of people to be more mindful about how they live what they buy all that good stuff and it's super cool to see people responding to it so favorably thank you brother i appreciate that and uh if you are listening to this at home you have a question for the minimalists give us a call 406-219-7839 you can also email a voice memo to podcast at the minimalists.com and if y'all leave here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time all right let's dive into this uh patreon Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have you gotta reach for and you gotta grab oh i bet that you'll be fine without it so take your eyes away or take your eyes hey.